0: goes through every row. In fact, Matthew, if you want, just start at the back. And if it comes through your row, would you just hand it to, you know, when it gets to a wall, just put it in the row ahead of you and move it back and forth until we see it show up here in the front. Would that be all right? Is that easy enough instructions? Okay. If you get all excited about going and you want to, just sign the person next to you up. <laughs> and say, I can't believe this. You're going with me. <laughs> we'll have a good time. It's December the eighth. We try and do it on a Thursday, so it's not interfering with your company parties or your family get-togethers between the two holidays. We try and just pick an oddball Thursday night, and it always works out well. Usually snowing by then too. So, I'm sorry. I mean to use four-letter words in church. <laughs> Snow. Uh, Today is the final day also in the bulletin. There's an announcement about that just below the banquet about uh, nominating someone for the official board. So if you have that with you today or you've written that out or you need to nominate somebody, would you get that to us today? That uh, closes out today. Next, uh, I think there's another one in here uh, just below that handsome picture of John Day on the other page. We're going to get together and decorate next Saturday uh, the building. Okay? Wreaths and Get ready for the season. So if you want to come be a part of that, you got a few leftovers. Some you got some. uh, What's that stuff called? The green stuff? Garland. Thank you. You know, you got a little extra. You got a few this and that that you're not using in your house. Bring it with you. Come next week on Saturday at ten in the morning, and for just for a couple hours, we'll spruce the place up and get all ready for the season. If you'd like to participate, okay? That's in there, and uh, so that you don't open your bulletin next Sunday and go, ooh, that was yesterday. Oops. And speaking of the handsome John Day. We'd like to just pinpoint him this morning as Life Group leader. He's in the bulletin. And John, if you don't mind, wave or we'll know where you are right there. You don't have to stand and parade around or anything, but uh, appreciate the, the incredible faithfulness in leading a Life Group and discipling people and ministering as he does, he and Donna. And as we pray this morning, just before we get to the Word, um, let's pray for John and Donna. Can we do that? Amen. Father, this morning we thank you for Pastor John and Donna Day. Lord, we see an incredible example of a faithfulness, sincerity, dedication to you. Lord, I know where he came from because he's told us. And how that you brought transformation into their home. And how that all these years now you've been faithful to him. And we just pray blessing upon him this morning and upon Donna. Lord, that peace will be the portion that rests over their home. healing and life will flow through their bodies uh, that you will continue to restore them lord in these next couple of weeks as in their health journeys i pray god that you would be underneath them to support them and ahead of them to bring them life and healing in jesus name lord we pray that you will bless their life group and cause community to form in such a way that uh, that's more than just friendship that it becomes brotherhood in christ and that sharing life together will be their portion. We thank you for their faithfulness this morning. Bless them in Jesus' name. Lord, bless the giving that happens here today. Thank you for, again, the way you've taken care of us as a congregation. And ask that it would continue and that it would flourish and that you would continue to bless your people with work and uh, with industriousness and with entrepreneurialism. God, that you will bless them with ideas that will bring forth the fruit of their labor into their homes. Bless and. And, uh, Lord, let it be pressed down. Let it be shaken together. Let it be running over as you put it into their bosom. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, Pastor Rob, come and give us the word, bro. Hey, you ever, let's welcome him like he's a guest speaker. Hey.
1: It's good to be here this morning. Tech crew back there is just amazing. You know, that's, then I go in the tech crew. They are busy doing things all the time. Right before, right after we ended worship, I says, "Oh yeah, put the get me that video." And uh, so he's been back there and finding something. I just want to start this morning with with this quick video, if we could.
2: Por eso el Señor mismo les dará una señal. La-
1: just translate that well maybe we should should we wait
2: the Lord himself will give you a sign the Uh virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son
1: okay all right that is okay that is okay that I almost did the same thing as uh, I loaded up the Spanish version of that video Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, we'll adjust this because it's a little hot. and get that in a moment. Praise the Lord. Let's, let's pray this morning. Father, I just thank you for what you've done here this morning. God, I thank you for the season that we're entering into, this Advent season. Lord, I thank you. I I thank you, God, that I'm on this side. God, that had the privilege to see Jesus, the risen Savior, the fulfilled King. Lord, and now, Lord, we await your second coming. God, I praise you and ask that as we would enter into this. Advent season, this Christmas season, God, that our hearts would be open to what you want to do. God, make us ever aware that this is why you came to earth, God, to send your Son as a gift for us. Lord, we look forward with anticipation Your coming again. God, bless this service. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We do have it. Let's go ahead and run it. It's just
2: The Lord Himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and will call him Emmanuel. to a teenager and was living then in the obscure village of Nazareth in Galilee. She gathered the grain during the day and tended the lamp laid into the watches of the night. Her father knew the dedication of her work, her mother the kindness of her heart, her friends the curve of her smile. She stood on the threshold of womanhood. Among all the girls in the village she had been noticed, chosen, betrothed, a child bride before whom lay only possibility. Her father could walk with pride in the city gates. Her mother could rest in the comfort of her daughter's future security. But then he came, unexpected, unannounced, spoke openly and without shame of pregnancy, virginity, and his son. Things men never discussed, and women only whispered about behind closed doors. She questioned him about the particulars, but not about the promise. She knew the prophecies and the angel's words rang true. She would be scorned and rejected, labeled as an adulteress in whispers and glances. There would be no more carefree walks to the market, no more happy trips to the well. Four hundred years her people had waited for hope, but God had been silent. Now he had spoken. The wait was about to end. Forty weeks and then Emmanuel God with us
1: Amen Amen Emmanuel God with us said 400 years of silence before Jesus Christ came into the world there was 400 years of silence where there was no prophetic voice Israel existed, was there, but there was no prophetic voice speaking to them, giving them hope. For 400 years they waited, God, where is this Messiah? God, where is our King? They longed for a King. They waited for the Messiah. They wanted to hear from God, but they received no prophetic inspiration. But even before that 400 years of silence, there was another time. We'll talk about that this morning. Another 400 years since the time of Isaiah. A time, well, maybe even a time like Dickens wrote in A Tale of Two Cities. A time that it was the best of times. It was the worst of times. The age of wisdom was the age of foolishness. It was the epic of belief. It was the epic of incredulity. It was the season of light. It was the season of darkness. It was the spring of hope. It was the winter of despair. We had everything before us and we had nothing before us. We were all going direct to heaven. We were all going direct the other way. In short, the period was so far like the present period that some of its noisiest authorities insisted on its being received for good or for evil in a superlative degree of comparison only. It was a time, the time of Isaiah through the prophets was a time of rejoicing at times, but a time of grief as kings would rise and some would bring the nation back to God and other leaders would rise up and take the nation back away from the things of God. Good times, bad times. And in the middle of that, of that time, Isaiah prophesied into the future and said that the king would be coming. The king would be coming. We celebrate Advent over the next four weeks leading up to Christmas. Each week we'll be talking about a different aspect of the Advent season. And for Christians, we're not a very liturgical church here, but for, for Christians in, in the past, this marks the beginning of the Christian year. It's the reason we exist. God sending His Son in the flesh for us. This next season, these next four weeks, culminating on Christmas where we'll spend it together on Christmas morning. On Christmas morning, it's a Sunday this year. We're going to join together. Come in your PJs. (laughs) You don't have to dress up because we're family. We're going to come at 9.30 and we're going to worship. And it's going to be a simple time. We're just going to gather together just like this is a large living room. And we're going to sing and we'll worship and we'll tell the Christmas story and we'll rejoice with one another. But four weeks leading up to that of the Advent season, and Advent means simply arrival or coming. It's the time where we celebrate and anticipate the arrival of Jesus Christ. Both His first arrival and His second coming. This morning, we're going to light the candles here in just a moment and, and we're going to light the hope candle. This morning's message is on hope. It's also referred to as the prophet candle because it was the prophets who spoke into the future speaking about a hope. Something new that was going to come that was going to finally break the bondages and bring the peace and hope that they had all longed for forever. Isaiah 9, verse 2, and I'm also going to read verse 6. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. For unto us, verse 6, a child is born. Unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. That's what we celebrate this morning. Jesus, who was to come for us, now is. This morning, we're going to talk about hope. We're going to talk about the prophet candle. We're going to spend time in the books of Jeremiah and Isaiah this morning. I have matches. I just don't know if they work. And each week, we'll light the new candle as well as the candle from the week before until all four are burning. And on Christmas morning, we'll light the last candle. Lord Jesus, we thank You. God, we thank You for the hope that is found in You. God, I thank You this morning as we would hear the hope that is preached in the Scriptures. That which You gave Your Old Testament saints that You would send Your Son into the world. The Messiah, the King. Father, we rejoice in You and with each other this morning. Thank you, God, for the hope. Thank you for the Advent season in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to talk this morning just a little bit about the time of two of the prophets, Isaiah and Jeremiah. Isaiah, really, for, for, for all intents from this morning, Isaiah starts off this t- period of time and Jeremiah is going to end it off as the prophets who are speaking into the people Isaiah, it was about 740 B.C. that he came onto the scene and started his prophetic ministry. And he was speaking to the kings and to the people both. And he brought us the revelation and pointed forward to the birth of Christ. Some 80 years later, Jeremiah arrives on the scene. Now, when Isaiah came onto the scene, they had been in a time of, of ups and downs in the kingdom. Israel was already divided. There was the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. The twelve tribes were broken off. And there was two in one and ten in the other. And many kings into this, Isaiah shows up on the scene. He begins to prophesy and to speak. Some 80 years later, Jeremiah comes on the scene. And after these ups and downs, God has allowed his people to be taken into exile. And Jeremiah prophesies At the back side of that is his people are already in exile. So this morning we're going to read some texts from both of these books. And we don't want to exclude Hosea and Micah. They were contemporaries of Isaiah. Or Nahum, Zephaniah, Habakkuk, Daniel, Ezekiel, Obadiah, and Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi. Those were after Jeremiah. Those others were contemporaries of Jeremiah. But this morning we want to focus on two. The scripture I just read in Isaiah. Now let's go to Jeremiah 23. Jeremiah 23, verse 5. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will raise to David a branch of righteousness. A king shall reign and prosper and execute judgment and righteousness in the earth. In his days Judah will be saved and Israel will dwell safely. Now this is his name by which he will be called the Lord our righteousness. So in the middle of being exiled, Jeremiah is speaking to the people saying, listen, it's still going to happen. Have you ever been so far into the dump, whatever was going on in your life, that the Word comes either from, from the pulpit or from a Bible study that says, don't give up. The answer is still coming. Isn't it hard to believe in those moments? Those are those moments you dare say, can it get any worse? And we never utter that out loud because the moment we do it feels like it's going to get worse. You know that famous verse in Jeremiah, I know the plans and the hope I have for you. Do you realize when he said that, the people were exiled. They didn't even have a nation any longer. They were captive in Babylon. But Jeremiah says, I know the plans I have for you. This is where Jeremiah is on the scene. The nations have gone up and down. They've sought the Lord and they've turned their back. But he says, no, God has a plan for His people. This morning, that's what God is telling us. He gives us a hope because He has a plan for His people. Just turn over to the right a little bit to Jeremiah 33. Again, echoing exactly the same thing. He has to reiterate, in those days and in that time I will cause to grow up to David a branch of righteousness. In those days. Those days became when Jesus came onto the earth. 640 years later. You think you've been waiting a long time for your answer? 640 years later, finally the answer comes. See, the hope for us is always in God, that He knows what He's doing and He will finally bring the answer to us. But we don't know. We have to hope and we have to wait in Him. All this was pointing to Jesus who was to come. And we know when we hear the story of Jesus coming in, we know that the people were still missing it. Here Jesus was on earth. He came and He lived a life and they still thought He was supposed to take a natural kingdom. These scriptures were pointing to Jesus and they still never fully understood. They just knew that something was coming. The Messiah. They dreamed that He would take up a physical rulership, physical kingship in their lives, and He didn't. He came as the final King of kings. These Scriptures point and give us hope to Jesus. But in the times of the prophets, their hope, we'll find, couldn't be in their leader. They couldn't be in the king. Because we find in, in throughout the books of Chronicles and Kings, the story that the kings, some were righteous and some were evil. Their hope, the people's hope could never be resting in a king. And I've got, let's just put up the, the first slide. The people needed God as their leader. Am I going to do it or are you going to do it? The first one goes up. I just wrote out, just starting with the time of Isaiah, the kings. When Isaiah came on, it was when King Azariah, or Uzziah, he died. And that's when Isaiah comes on place. He was a righteous king, it says in the Bible. But he didn't destroy the high places. He didn't take down the high places. Jotham came. He was a righteous king. But he didn't take down the high places. Then Ahaz came. And he was actually evil. The Bible said he was evil. He worshipped other gods. Hezekiah comes. And he was righteous. And he tore down the high places. He says, you will not just worship and do whatever you want to do. But God, you're going to worship God in his prescribed manner. Then we find Manasseh who comes. A horrible leader. Evil. Ammon. Josiah. The last righteous King of Judah. Trying to restore once again from the top down. But you know what never works? It never works from the top down. It has to start from the bottom. It has to start with the people. He was righteous. And yet after him, Jehoaz, Jehoiakim, Jehoiachin, and Zedekiah, they were all evil. And then they were exiled. Go ahead and give that. Is that. Am I on or are you on? After that, that was it. They were in exile. Seventy years in battle. Not, not a good time. I think of us today. I think of us today and comparison. but I want to read Psalms 33. I have joined the bandwagon for too long about caring so much about who's the next president, that I forget that righteousness doesn't start at the top. It starts with me. And it starts with you. If we don't get the priorities straight, we're going to step back and expect everything to start at the top. God, give us a godly president. Who cares if we have a godly president if the people are wicked? Is, is the president really going to affect your neighbor's life in a righteous manner? Only you can do that. Who do we trust in? Back then, they too often trusted in the king. The people would follow the king and not the Lord. Psalm thirty-three, sixteen. Starting in verse 16. It says, No king is saved by the multitude of an army. A mighty man is not delivered by great strength. A horse is a vain hope for safety. Neither shall it deliver any by its great strength. behold, The eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his mercy, to deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in famine. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. For our heart shall rejoice in him because we have trusted in his holy name. Let your mercy, O Lord, be upon us just as we hope in you. Our hope has to be in the Lord. Whoever wins this next election is not going to restore righteousness into this country. But if God's people, believe, I've heard that somewhere, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves before me, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven. It doesn't said if my people elect a president to become righteous, then I'll finally give you what you want. It's about us. Our hope, everything is pointing to Jesus. It's got to be in God. And that's where we stand. If we're putting too much trust in our present, I'm afraid what's going to happen when we don't get the one we want? We'll be so far in despair. Our hope. Our hope is Christ. He is our all in all. He is our sufficiency. Go ahead and put up that second slide. What about this list? I think you have to click each one. Keep going. Just click them until they come up. Now, I'm going to put a list over here which one was righteous. Just kidding. Oh, they went away. (laughs) You know, we we can look at those and see the times. Hard times, good times, just like the nation of Israel. You know, some were probably a little closer to God than others. But overall, our nation. You know, I'm afraid what's, what's next after Obama, remember what was on the last list? After the last was exile. We don't want that next slide if it's exile, right? What is next for us? But even if we get exiled, what does that mean for us? Who knows what it could look like? Even if we do, will we listen to the voice of Jeremiah? It says, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to give you hope and a future. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. No matter what our situation is, our hope has got to be in Jesus Christ. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. That's our hope. That's our life. That's our standard. It's in the Word. It's not in our circumstances and situations. This is the season that we can turn our hearts to God once again in a fresh new way. The beginning of the Christian year. This is the season where we have to fight against getting robbed and taken captive into materialism. And say, God, as Psalm 42, as the deer pants for the water, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Did you feel His presence this morning? When you get into the presence of God, doesn't does everything in you just scream out, I just need more of God. I just need more of God. I don't need more of any program. I don't need. I need more of God. I don't need a bigger house. I don't need a bigger TV. I need more of God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night while they continually say to me, Where is your God? Can you relate this morning? When I remember these things, I pour out my soul within. For I used to go with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God with the voice of joy and praise will the multitude that kept a pilgrim feast. Along with Christmas season, another thing happens for many in this time. We're reminded of The difficulties we have. The loneliness that comes. Maybe loved ones who've passed. It gets hard and we maybe lie awake. And I know that some of you do. Having the tears be your food at night. Crying out, saying, God, where are you? Where are you? Well, we need to run back to God. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Verse 5 says, and why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise Him for the help of His countenance. O my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of the Jordan and from the heights of Hermon. From the hill Mizar, deep calls unto deep at the noise of your waterfalls. All your waves and billows have gone over me. The Lord will command His loving kindness in the daytime. And then the night, His song shall be within me. A prayer to the God of my life, I will say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a breaking of my bones, my enemies reproach me while they say to me all day long, "Where is your God?" Pretty depressing, pretty discouraging, but it's reality at times. That we get into those moments where we feel that. And yet it closes with the same statement. Why are you so downcast, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise Him. The help of my countenance and my God. It's a shift of our thinking, placing our hope and trust and our faith in Him. And it's a mental, it's a choice we do and it's a mental decision. I'm going to hope in God. Not because I see it. Not because it's easy. but Because I choose to believe what the Word of God says. He's going to raise up a branch of David. And he will be the King of righteousness. He will be the Lord, my righteousness. He's done everything for us. We don't have to worry about it because His sacrifice in Him, we've obtained all things. Even our righteousness is not something that we do on our own. We thank God and look to Him and say, God, I can't do this without you. I can't, I can't be saved without you. I can't work. You are my righteousness. Everything points to Jesus. The message of hope this morning, it, it comes and has been partially fulfilled. The Old Testament message of hope has been partially fulfilled. Imagine living back in the day before the Messiah had come. There was just a distant hope. They they hoped and, and they held on to Abraham Abraham and the stories and the, the accounts of the people and God's deliverance, but they still didn't even have the Messiah on their side. They were hoping in something that they had yet taken a hold of for thousands of years, seeking, waiting. I'm thankful to be on this side where I can look back to say, 2,000 years ago, He fulfilled the first part. He came and He fulfilled the first part. He came into this world. Born a babe, lived a sinless life, something that we could never do, walked as a human, was tempted in all ways, always, the Bible says, tempted, and yet he didn't fall to sin. So many movies over the times have come out and, and tried to put that down. What if Jesus fell into sin? I remember the movie "The Last Temptation of Christ," Some of these movies that tried to give us a different thing. He never came off the cross and he didn't off the cross, and he didn't desire to come off the cross. Because he knew what he was living for. He's living for you. He lived for you and he died for you. And I'm so thankful to be on this side that I can look back and say 2,000 years ago, he did that for me. And my sins are washed away. Now I don't have peace every day in my life. I have to run back to the cross and say, God, give me peace. I don't have hope sometimes. I feel hopeless. And I run back to the cross. And I go into His Word and I find that it's full of hope and full of promises for my daily life. Advent is a time of hope for us all. It's a time of hope for us all. We can put our focus on the babe who rose and lived and died and rose again. Thank God for that story. Thank God that it's true. Thank God that He sacrificed Himself for us. But how are we this morning? Let's go ahead and put up that next slide if we could. I thought I had that. In our world, we have so much... So many problems we have: war, couldn't keep going, poverty, and sickness. We know these things: financial problems, worry, full of sin—a world full of sin, depression, death, and hopeless. Stop right there on that. These things plague us, don't they? It's too much sickness, too much worry. Yet they're real issues. They're real issues. What do we do? We have to cry out to the Christ and say, God, I can't do this on my own. You know, there's a gospel that's preached that is no gospel at all. And it's the gospel that you can have a great life. Just confess. Just believe. And you're going to get the things that you want. And it's been a long, around for a long time. And and I, I think that when they started out, their heart... Heart was right, these people, but they fell into some materialistic ideas, believing that it was all just wrapped up in the here and the now. The problem is, is when you're living for Christ, and somebody gets sick and dies of their sickness, what does that Gospel say? Well, you didn't pray hard enough. You didn't confess loud enough. Maybe there was some sin in your life, and really what happens is you have taken all the control away from God. There's no Gospel at all. But that Gospel has preached us to when these things happen, we go, well, where is God? Is He is he dead? And we have to run to Him and we have to know that sometimes we have to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Doesn't the Bible teach us that? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. But didn't say, yea, though I live in the valley of the shadow of death. You have to walk through it. You'll fear no evil because He's with us. See, our hope is on Him and His promises, but He never promised a life of ease or a life without pain. But we trust in Him. And and I'll tell you, as we trust and put our hope in Him and our trust in Him, some of the things that we're trusting Him for will happen today. They'll happen tomorrow. I've talked with a number of of people, even this, this last week, who said that they were having financial issues and for you know some had maybe started tithing again and others just were trusting in God and God provided what they needed and, and, and they're just giving thanks to God and and there's that I I was so excited and I rejoiced with them and I went what about the other people who aren't getting that yet keep walking you'll walk through the valley you'll be you'll come out God's going to answer your prayers in different ways but we have to put our hope and trust in Him, and not in our own understanding. First Peter five seven says, "Cast all your cares, all your anxiety, on Him, for He cares for you. Give it to Him; He really does care. When you're lying awake crying, He's there crying with you. And if you give a moment, so many times you'll you'll feel Him lift you up again. Look for those op- look for those times that that's happening, and acknowledge them. Look for those times. Where you're you're down and depressed, and somebody calls you and you pick up the phone and you're down and discouraged, and they said, I was just thinking about you today, and you go oh, and you hang up the phone and you go, Oh, I'm so discouraged and depressed still. Notice that God just sent somebody to call you and to lift you up. Get out of your pit for a moment and begin to look at the ways God is providing for you. Cast your cares on him for he cares for you. Jeremiah thirty three sixteen says that the Lord is our righteousness. We don't, have to, we don't have to perform for God and to live up to any standard. I believe it was Watchman Knee many years ago had somebody come to his house. And he says, I'm I'm having a hard time believing that that my God loves me still because I fail so often. And I just don't know if God can love me with all my failures. Watchman Knee story says he looked down at his dog. Does he see this dog? This dog loves me. He obeys every command. He doesn't tear anything up anymore. He goes to does his business outside. He's faithful and loyal. When I come home, he's so happy to see me all the time. He's a wonderful dog. My child is in the kitchen this morning and he's eating. He's a mess. He makes messes in his pants. He throws his food on the ground. He cries when I don't want him to. And I can't console him. He's absolutely a mess. Which one do you think I will love and give all of my possessions to? My dog or my child? He is our righteousness. He loves us. As messy as you are, Ephesians 2:14 says he himself is our peace. He is our peace, not our situations. Our peace is in him. First Peter 1:3 says that he has given us birth into a living hope. I am glad that my hope is alive because a couple of days ago it died. And yet it lives. It's not something that will ever fade away because it comes back and it's refreshed again as we gather together. You know when our hope is really refreshed as we gather together and meet and talk and pray and you hear testimonies and you encourage one another. That's the living hope. It's alive and you see the hope that we have lived out in the lives of others and sometimes it's lived out in your life and we gather together and we see God's hand in all the situations. John 11:25 says that he is the resurrection and the life. And John 14 says, I am the way the truth and the life. He is our life. He is the way, but he is the resurrection. He is life. In him is life as we put our faith and our hope in him, he brings life to us. Philippians 4.19 says, My boss shall supply all of my needs. <laughs> or is it Obama shall supply all of your needs. You know, and we, we, we giggle at that. It's kind of funny, but you know, challenge, let's challenge ourselves. How often do we really look at our boss as our supply? How often do we look at our Retirements is our supply or the government. God shall supply all your needs according to His riches. Now, praise God. He's chosen to use our bosses and He's chosen to use our retirements and He's chosen to use governments at times. But as He is the supplier of our needs, let's put our faith and hope in Him. The Bible says that He is our healer. And I thank God for doctors. And go to them when I need to. But I need to trust that He is my healer. He's my banner. He is coming back to take us home. Just a few weeks ago, we spent that time in the Word looking. He's coming soon. And that's the hope that we have. That's the impetus we have to reach the lost. He's coming back again. We're celebrating the hope of His second return today. All of these problems will fall away. And when we get there, they'll seem so insignificant. If you could think back now to a very bad day you had in your childhood, didn't get the candy bar. Bad day. I remember one for me. I didn't get to go horseback riding. And my my big brothers and sisters got to go horseback, and I was devastated. I was just, and I was a horrible child. I cried, and, and my parents took me to, to go on, be on a pony, you know. And I wasn't, I wasn't grateful, I wasn't satisfied because it wasn't a whore, It was tied up to the pole. <laughs> it was tied up to the pole, and I, went, I, couldn't go anywhere, and it was, it was horrible. And I laugh now. Your worst day, you'll laugh about in comparison the glories that are ahead coming to heaven. Let those things give you hope to stay strong in Him, to allow Him to be your Lord and Master. Hope in Him. Don't get lost hoping in the things around us. In Him is life. The Bible clearly says that in the beginning, God. And at the end, God. He is beginning and He is end. And He's in charge of all things in between. Let him be the Alpha and Omega for you this morning. Hope in him. In him, we're going to click these next ones if we could. In him, for instead of war, he gives us peace. I don't know if they heard me back there. Can we click the next one, guys? We start clicking them. It was kind of cool originally. <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is my big ending. It's pretty good, huh? That was the wrong one. <laughs> it's okay. It was just graphic stuff. But the truth is real. Where there's war, he gives us peace. You know, the battle still rages, but he gives us peace. Instead of our sin, He's our righteousness. For our depression, He gives us joy. Joy is not happiness. It's deeper than that. It's that deep part of the river. Let's go river rafting. I really enjoyed it. I used to with Marilyn and went with another of you guys. And, you know, when the river's the quietest, it's the deepest. Joy is deep. Joy is quiet. Happiness is loud and, and you, know, some, you know, happiness is fun because when I was river rafting, I didn't want the deep, quiet waters. But, you know, when you were on that, you knew you were safe. There was, happiness is kind of fun, exciting, but there's also danger in happiness, right? You know, go oh, man, and then it ends. But joy is deep. So for our sorrow, he, he gives us joy. Instead of death, we have life. For hopelessness, He gives us hope. Our hope is in Him. It's not always what we see in front of us, it's faith. He gives us faith, and He encourages and helps our faith to grow. And our faith isn't built on the things that we can see, but it's unseen. Our hope is in Isaiah 9, 6, and 7, the scriptures we started with. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. The government will be upon his shoulder. Call out his name this morning because it's wonderful. Counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. of the increase of His government and peace, there will be no end. That's the one time we want bigger government. When it's God government. The increase of His government, there is no end. Upon the throne of David and over His kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward even forever. Thank God that the last line in this doesn't say your works have to perform this. Your faith have to perform this. It says the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. The promises are in Him. They are yes and amen in Christ. It's not about us. It's about Him and that's what we hold on to. God this season. We hope in You. We hang on to You, Lord Jesus. We know that You're coming back and we look for Your appearing. God, this morning we need to exchange burdens with You. We need to give You our cares and take off the burden that we're carrying and cast them onto You and take Your burden upon us, Your yoke, upon us. God, I pray that You would visit us in the night seasons. Fill us with Your hope. Fill us with Your life. God, I pray that You would teach us how to quiet the adversary. And quiet the enemy long enough to hear Your voice and to see You through Your Word and in our times of communion with You. God, I pray that those of us who are experiencing joy and strength, that we would share and encourage those who need encouragement and love and care. Lord, I thank You that You are judgment and justice and not us. choose to look for you and love you. Or we choose to stop judging others. Instead, God, we come alongside and love them and encourage them along the way also. God, this one light that's lit, it's lighting the room for us. We thank you for the candle of hope. Lord, when it gets dark, help us to see the candle of hope that burns even sometimes ever so faintly. Help us to see the candle of hope. Lord, I am so grateful for you, your love towards me, my family. Walk with us. And I pray, God, that this celebration of Advent and Christmas would be the best ever. As we focus on you, love one another. In Jesus' name, amen.